You're listening to the Counting Lights Podcast with Chris Dimity and Dan Danzy. Counting Lights Podcast where comedy and wrestling lock up. And and could I hang with him? Yeah, until he touched me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, a lot of good stories from the road, man. A lot of good stories. Yeah, you know, and I can't give that guy enough credit for anything because he was so good. I remember uh, uh, the one time you and I were on the road and uh, we were going down to uh, work the border towns down by Mexico. Oh, yeah. And okay. uh, and so, um, and uh, I, had a, I had a female in tow with me. And yes, so, uh, yeah, that was during my... Uh, my uh, uh, poon hound days, if you will, and uh, so uh, um, and so, you and Jimmy roomed uh, in the crappy motel that we stayed in at. Uh, oh, uh, that yeah. time! <laughs> Tell that story. So we, this promoter books us, and we've never met him. And he says, "I got a hotel for you," and it's like a block from the border. So. Me and Jimmy get in this hotel, and it's a it's a dive hotel, and it's got an air conditioner in the window. Well, there's a bed over there by the air conditioner, and there's a bed over here. You know, close to the bathroom. Yeah. So Jimmy goes, "I'm sleeping over here by the air conditioner," because because <laughs> it was so it was funny. it was the middle of summer. It was hot. Oh, it was really hot. So we do the show. We're right on the border. The next day we go into Mexico. Well, we go no, we go into Mexico and party that night a little bit. Oh yeah, and then we come back. Right. That was the tennis shoot night. <laughs> Anyways, so we come back, and Jimmy gets in his bed, and his head's right next to the air conditioner. He was trying to stay cool. Yeah. So I wake up the next morning, and I look over at Jimmy, and there's a fucking block of ice. In his hair and as, on the air conditioner. Froze, the air conditioner had frozen up during the night. It had frozen up and froze his hair into it. So I go, Jimmy, fire. <laughs> <laughs> and he goes, oh. He couldn't get out of bed because his hair was frozen to the air conditioner. <laughs> he's like, you fucking cock. Like, Jimmy, fire, fire. He's like, I can't get out of here. I had to go over there. Get warm water. What'd you do? I forget what I grabbed. I grabbed something and I hit the hunk of ice in his hair by the air conditioner. And I, I think it was my shoe or my boot. And I hit that hunk of ice and it broke off. And he had this hunk of ice the size of what you could hold in your hand frozen. <laughs> into, his, into his long hair. <laughs> into his hair, yeah. Because Jimmy had long hair. I was laughing my ass off. He's like, Kate, you're a fucking piece of shit. I go, <laughs> you didn't freeze it. What's it? I go, have you looked in the mirror? <laughs> Dude, he immediately ran to the shower and turned on the hot water and was trying to melt that hunk of ice out. <laughs> Oh, dude, you can't pay for these road oh, stories, bro. Dude, it was so funny. So, we, he took his shower, of course. I take my shower, and I'm still laughing at him. I was just like, I couldn't stop. And we walk outside the door, 
and there's a cop standing there. And he's on a bicycle. And I look at him and I go, nice bike. And he goes, I need to see some ID. I go, what the fuck for? And he goes, this is where all the drug dealers stay. I go, yeah, we're not drug dealers. This guy only deals in ice. <laughs> Which I didn't know at the time was a certain kind of meth. <laughs> oh. And he's like, I need to search your room. And I go, fuck off. You ain't going in my room. You got a warrant? No. I said, listen, man. We were here. We wrestled last night. We went in over the border. You know, we had a good time. I think we're, we I think we're in Eagle, Eagle's Pass, maybe? Yeah, and you were with that girl. Uh. So we all hopped in her car. She had a Mustang. A small right, Mustang. That's right. You're right. A small one. And we went across the border, and they stopped her for us coming across to there. Yeah, we were going over to do shopping in in Mexico. Yeah, and, and, and the guy was like, where's all the money? They they got us out, took all the stuff out of the back, searched the entire car, yeah. and uh, uh, finally, um, you or Jimmy were, were talking to the the border patrol guys, and you're like, "Why are you stopping us going into Mexico?" And he goes, "People that come in with a nice car like this are smugglers, and they usually go in with a ton of money." So they were looking for the money. Yeah, and we all had no more than like three hundred dollars. Yeah, yeah. So he's like, where's all the money? And they popped the hood on the car. I remember. They pulled the air filter. I remember. And they're like, where's the fucking money? I'm like, what are you talking about? And he goes, we know you guys are coming in to buy a bunch of fucking weed or whatever. I'm like, I don't know what you're talking about, you know? And me, you, and Jimmy. And they opened the trunk. And I think it was your bag or her bag. The second time, the second time that that our wrestling boots saved our ass. Yeah. No, I need a smoke. Um, so they open your bag, and there's a fucking Valium sitting right there on top of your bag. Wasn't mine. No, it was your girlfriend's. And uh, I'm like, what the fuck? You know? Because I didn't, I didn't do anything. Do you shit. think they planted it? No, I think it was your girlfriend's. But, you know... I know me and you didn't do that shit. Jimmy didn't do that shit. You know, Jimmy smoked weed. That was about it. And, uh... That was the trip. Jimmy went over the border. We went over the border, and we went shopping, and Jimmy went to the dentist. Do you remember that? Yes. So, anyways, they were going through all our shit. And they're like, where's the fucking money? I go, what are you talking about, man? I go, we wrestled here last night. Well, we know you're coming here... To buy about fucking 100 pounds of weed. And like, wow, I wish I had the money for that. <laughs> and they go, you do, we just ain't found it. Yeah. I go, $300 ain't going to buy 100 pounds of weed. And then finally they decided to let us go, and we wanted to get pictures with them, and they wouldn't take pictures with us. No, what happened was, he goes, okay, you can go. And I go, I go, no, you need to put the car back together. And he goes, no, that's okay, you can go. And I yelled out for a supervisor. I need a supervisor over here. And this guy came over. And I said, this guy accused us of being drug dealers. Searched their fucking car. Tore our car apart. I go, he pulled the fucking air cleaner off the motor. Pulled our back seat out. I go, we're not drug dealers. We're not doing anything. 
And then he tells us we can go. And I said, I asked him to put the car back together, and he refused. And he looked over at that guy. He, you know, he was his supervisor. Because he said, oh, the McDonald's is here. They're, they're all speaking Spanish. and Yeah, and then he wanted to go for lunch because the guy said, the McDonald's is here. I said, no, you got to put the car back together, and he refused. And I told the supervisor that, and the supervisor told him, put that fucking car back together, you get your McDonald's when you're done. And, oh, he was pissed. Good road stories, man. He was pissed. But he put the car back together. And we went about our business, and Jimmy went to the dentist, and me and you went, shopping. me and whatever her name was, went shopping and shit, and uh, I think we got searched on the way back, too. Yeah, I think they were a little easy, easy on us on the way They back. were a little easy on us, because I think I yelled for the supervisor right away. I was like, hey, I need a supervisor over here. This guy's about to go through our car again after we came through last time, and there was nothing in here. Blah, 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 blah. Claimed our liquor, claimed our Yeah, you know what that souvenirs. cost me for the liquor? 50 cents was the tax. And Jimmy had a bottle. 50 cents. We had to stop and pay 50 cents tax. Oh, <laughs> uh, shit. And Jimmy looks at me and he's like, here's Kit, do you really think this is worth it? 50 cents, 50 cents, right? Yeah, and uh, I said... Go, well, 50 cent tax ain't bad. And he goes, no, I mean the whole fucking ordeal. Go, Made well, you not want to go to the border. Yeah, I go, well, you know, Jimmy, maybe next time when we come down here, we should charge a lot more. <laughs> and he goes, you got that fucking right. Yeah, or drive a shittier car. Yeah, the next time we went down in my truck and we bought some rum or something, you know, came back across the border, 50 cents again. We each pay our 50 cents for a bottle of rum. Tax is tax, bro. Yeah. And the guy's like, I need you to pull over here. I bet it's different now. Oh, yeah. He goes, I need you to pull over here. So we pull over to the side. They bring a dog over. The dog sniffing the truck. There's nothing there. And he goes, we need to go through your truck. I go, you do what you got to do. But you make sure you put everything back the way you found it. Because if you don't. We're going to have a problem. And he goes, all right, you guys can go. Just like that. You want to tell the story about, uh, you want to tell the story when we uh, met those girls in uh, Oklahoma? I don't recall that story. <laughs> oh, you mean? Uh, no, don't tell that story. Don't tell that story. Uh, no, I'm not going <laughs> to. Um, well, that a was good a good show, though. We sold that place out. Yeah, and sold a shit ton, and, a shit ton of pictures, too. And Johnny Valentine was a happy motherfucker. Mm-hmm. He was like, oh, my God. I love that guy, Johnny Valentine. He helped me a lot early in my career. One of the best rivers in the business. Oh, no shit. And well, one of the best fucking shooters in the business. Because uh, uh, nobody told him it was fucking rigged. So Johnny, Johnny's uh, Greg the Hammer Valentine's father. Yeah. So, when I met him, he was already crippled. From the plane crash. Yeah, and he used to come to the training sessions when I was training the NWA guys. And uh, he's like, kid, he goes, I want to have my last match with you. And he goes, I can't walk, but you can wrestle me underground because I've seen you and you know how to wrestle underground. I go, 
I go, yeah. And he goes, I want to have my last match with you. You know, and, and Sputnik Monroe told me the same same thing. Which, now, the, now, there was a character. Yeah. Sputnik now, Monroe. I guess it's kind of an honor when you get guys like that are telling you they want to have their last match with you because you can. They know you can work. Yeah, you can do what they want you to do. So, Johnny, God, I love that guy. And, uh, yeah, he was he was uh, uh, really involved when we were working for Gary at the Sportatorium. He was involved with me before that when I first started working for Killer. And he'd come down to Fort Worth, I think it was on Tuesdays. And uh, he'd be like, he goes, kid, I've been watching you. He goes, you're the fucking best wrestler here. And I'm like, well, I don't know about that, Johnny. I said, you know, we got a lot of world-class guys. And he's like... They can't match you. Fuck them. Because most of the guys weren't shooters. No, and, and, John, they and Johnny Valentine was a shooter. Yeah, yeah. and they knew how to work. Because nobody, the only reason Johnny was a shooter, and he told me this. He goes, because nobody told me wrestling was rigged. He goes, whenever I met with a promoter and the guy I was working with, they never told me you're going over, or he's going over. He goes, they never told me that. You know, uh, when we uh, interviewed uh, Kevin Sullivan. Um, I spoke with Kevin Sullivan, and Kevin Sullivan told told a story about his first uh, match, uh, kind of a shooter match that he was involved in. And I told uh, I told him I was like, uh, you know, the way that you walk reminds me of the way Kit Carson walks. You know, the way he holds himself and the way he, you know, you, you can tell a shooter they have a certain type of a gait. You know the, the the way that they walk and the way that they hold themselves, and uh, and so uh, Kevin Sullivan reminded me a, a lot of the way that you hold yourself and the did way he, he know was. who I was. Oh yeah, he did. Uh, I think so. Yeah, it gets. You know, uh, we had talked about uh, our uh, uh, past and doing tag team wrestling and stuff, and I explained to him, and he your name definitely was familiar to him. So uh, huh. and uh, he. Uh, he was uh, just just a great guy. He's a real uh, supporter of the podcast and uh, just a terrific dude. So yeah, you, you I, should you should come to the next show and spend some time. You and Kevin Sullivan will get along terrific. I saw him on that show uh, with the guy that was in the Pacific Northwest and walk around in the woods, and he'd come and visit Kevin and uh, get some. God, what was that guy? Uh, Mick Dodge? That <coughs> Something like that. Yeah. And Kevin was on there, and I'm like, I thought he was still wrestling. <laughs> you know, and he had a, a Scottish skirt on. I was like, wow. I recognize him. It's the same Kevin Sullivan, but yeah. it wasn't think what was, I thought. Th- yeah, I think he was on the show just to get a payday. How could you not? <laughs> you got to. I mean, you know. Payday's a payday. 20 yeah. bucks, 20 bucks. That's right? right. He's a worker. That's right. James Beer. <laughs> I love you, James. <laughs> Anyways, yeah, and I mean, you know, he was like my size. He was a small yeah, guy. Yeah, yeah, Kevin's, Kevin's a, a, not a huge guy. No, but he made a name for himself. Yeah, and, and was a hell of a worker and a hell of a, a great mind in the business. Yeah, and he was originally a bodybuilder. Dude, his, when he first started, I remember. that dude was like He was huge. Huge. I was like, God damn. Yeah, huge, huge at 5'9", too. <laughs> yeah, I mean, 
And my tallest, I was 5'11 and a half. Now I'm about 5'9. <laughs> yeah. Because you shrink 10 inches. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You Kevin's, shrink an inch. Yeah, Kevin's gotten a little smaller, too. Yeah, you shrink an inch every 10 years after 30. Is that right? Yes. So I'm 5'9 or so. Now, no wonder my kid's so much taller than I am. Yeah. <laughs> so you've probably shrunk two inches. Well, that's in my pants, but doesn't matter (laughs) (laughs) did you hear that dan (laughs) oh shit he's gonna fucking give us hell anyways i would love to talk to kevin sullivan you know i never met him but everything i saw and heard about him he was a great guy he's terrific guy real terrific you know and when it came to booking he was straight up. He knew exactly what he was doing, man. He knew Gary Hart, make some money. Yep, make some money. Yeah, that's what he was about. And you can't blame a guy for that. Nope. 20 we, bucks, 20 bucks. Are we good? Yeah, we'll keep going. So, uh, so how, how difficult, you know, we were lucky being on the road and having the good times that we had. And, uh, and I think the real downfall of the good times was when these phones came came around and you everybody could take pictures of everything yeah. and everybody, everybody could and record everything. Did. No, we didn't. I mean, listen, if you if you if you walked in the uh, if you walked in in the locker room and pulled out a disposable camera or yeah, they were like or, you're or a 35 millimeter that you were marking, that would kick you out of the back, man. Yeah. And that's you know, that's the reason that we don't have a lot of uh, of the uh, uh, pictures, yeah, pictures and, and memories uh, documented, because uh, you know, hell, you had to walk a, a really fine line back in our day. Yeah, and the only place you did do that and get away with it was Mexico, because I got a whole bunch of pictures on the wall from Mexico, but not the, all the other shit. We yeah, did. it was different, definitely different in our our trips to Mexico, down to Tarion. Yeah. And, and uh, you know all those all those trips were so much different. But God, did we have a good time! Oh bro. God, damn. Remember mean, when you fell and broke that marble slab? Oh yes. Chris took a bump on a marble slab at fucking one thirty in the morning while it was raining. We were in the ring and we were leaving the ring, and he slipped on this. It was a marble step. We told this story last time. We did yeah. going up into the dressing room, and he slipped and fell and broke a fucking one and a half inch marble slab when he bumped on it. And I'm like, "Oh god, that had to hurt." <laughs> the promoter was happy, so that's all that mattered. Oh yeah, remember we were leaving, and he chased us down and gave us a, a, a bonus. Yeah, yeah, just was down in the car. Yeah, we were unusual. We were, uh, you know, we wrestled uh, that. That over-the-top extreme style here in the states, and they didn't have that down in Mexico, man. No, and they loved it, and they were like, "Oh man!" And then all all the wrestlers were asking us in the dressing room for fucking pictures and autographs. Yeah, like we were like we were something special. Uh, Yeah, and I was like, "Wow, this ain't supposed to be happening." Kid, I think you're burping more than you're telling stories, bro. I know, man. We're having a good time, man. Is it? It's okay. It's six twenty. You ain't got nowhere to be. No, I'm be where I'm at. (laughs) (laughs) I ain't going anywhere. So, uh, 
you know, you wrestled uh, quite a bit uh, before you, you wrestled a little bit before you came to Texas. But uh, what what made you get back to the wrestling business when you when you came down to Texas? Because I didn't know you. I didn't meet you till '94. So I came down here in '89, and came down with my wife. Her family was here. And they were promising me all this stuff, and I could go train in Fort Worth with the Freebirds. You know, they had a school in, uh, what's that area of Fort Worth where everything was happening? Um, are you talking about the mid-cities, or are you talking about, uh, like, Will Rogers and that area? Uh, there was a, uh, an area where everybody went to the bar where the... Uh, Stockyards? Yes. So Fort Worth Stockyards. Yes. Famous, famous. So Terry Gordy, Michael Hayes, and Buddy Roberts, they had a school there, UWF. Oh, that's that's when Bill Watts, they were working with Bill Watts. Yes. So they said, if I, if I move down here, they'll pay for my school. So I get down here, they ain't paying for my school. They just wanted to get you down here. They just wanted to get me down here. So, so did, you start look, a, did you start looking for trainers at that time? Well, I had a job lined up. And I didn't get it. And my wife was with the post office, and she was transferring down here. And right as we got here, they said the transfer didn't go through. You need to get back to work up here, which was in northern Illinois. I'm like, ah, oh, this ain't going well. So, were you I, discouraged? Did you consider moving back to Illinois? Yes. Now at that time, Jimmy was already born, right? No. No, he wasn't. Oh, wait, yes. Jimmy was born. Yes. That's, that's your oldest son that we yeah. talked to on, on the telephone. Yes. And I bought some land, bought this beautiful double-wide trailer that was uh, had the best of everything. And uh, we had it on the properties out on the other side, 380. And uh, my wife had to go back to work up there. She was still trying to get the transfer. So I was down here. She was up there. About a month later, she came back. But in the meantime, her brother, who I was good friends with, he's like, hey, there's some wrestling down in Dallas. And he showed me a a flyer. It was Killer Brooks. Big time wrestling. It was called NAWA. Well, that was was this federation. I think think it was called Big Time Wrestling. Yeah, well, he eventually changed it to that. But, uh. He's like, let's go down and watch it. So we went down to watch it, and they had, had Killer and John Tatum and Johnny Mantell. Rod Price. No, Rod wasn't oh, there yet. Oh, he wasn't. Rod didn't get there until after I was there. And, uh, you know, a couple other guys. A, lo- a lot of uh, a lot of Killer's students were involved in the game. Yeah, at that time, when I first went, maybe... Ray Evans was there. First two matches were his students, and then the rest were were class guys. Right. Wild Bill, you know. Uh, Wild Bill Irwin. Yeah. Right. So he had a thing on the flyer. He can go to school with me. So I went and talked to him. You know, and I I was pretty intimidated by Killer. You know how Killer was. Yeah, I I don't think uh, a lot of people probably don't understand because he he was, you know, uh, hell, he was an old-timer when we – got in the business he'd been in the business for 20 years from the time we got in the business and so uh but killer tim brooks had a very uh intimidating personality yes and he didn't take any shit and and i had already been wrestling in illinois with chicago pro 
But they didn't tell you anything. They didn't smarten you up at all. No. So you go there and you train on Saturdays, and then the guy would hand you a card and go, be here next Friday night. I'm going to pay you $100. Your first match. So Back then, that was pretty good money. Oh, yeah. So they liked me what they saw on the Saturday training deal. Well, and t- on top of that, you were you were an Illinois all-state wrestler. At a yeah, yeah, time. you know, and uh, they were looking for shooters. So n- nobody smartened us up to anything. I mean, they didn't even teach me how to tie up. You know, so... To the collar and elbow tie-up, they, they, they didn't even teach yeah, you how to do a lock-up. they didn't even teach me how to do that. It, it wasn't that kind of training. It was just like, come here and let's see what you got. Right. So they saw I was a pretty good shooter. And after the first Saturday, and it was like an hour from my house, I had to go into the city in Chicago. Was it, uh, was it, a, was it a, 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 a pretty established organization or was it a little low rent? Well, they had TV. Okay. So and I didn't know any better. Hands me a card and he says, "I want you to be here Friday night." And he goes, "You're going to be the first match. Pays 100 bucks." I'm like, "You're tickled shitless." I'm like, "Okay." So, you know how my wife was. I'm like, <laughs> "I'm going to do this thing." Yeah, sure. All right. So I go there and I wrestle this guy, and he calls us in to his office and he goes. I want you guys to go no more than 10 minutes. I don't care who wins. And I was like, well, good, because I'm not going to fucking lose. Right, because you were going to shoot anyway. Yeah, and I beat the guy. About eight minutes, I beat the guy, you know. And the guy was trying to talk to me the whole time. I'm not listening to him. <laughs> I didn't was know. Was he trying to call spots? <laughs> yeah, I, I didn't know. He got in the ring with an all-state shooter. Yeah, I didn't know. So I go in and I get my $100 from him, and he hands me another card. And he goes, I want you to show up here next Friday night at this high school in Wisconsin. It's like on the southern border of Wisconsin. He goes, you're going to be in a second match, pays $200. I'm like, I can dig that. You're like, holy shit, I'm getting somewhere. Yeah, so... I do the deal. My wife, you know how jealous my wife was. She's like, oh. So I go and I do the deal, and I beat the guy. I go, we want you to go 12 minutes. Well, I went about 10, and I beat the guy. And the guy was pissed. We got in the office. He's like, he didn't do what I fucking told him to do. And and the promoter was like, guess you should have handled that. You know? I didn't know. Well, and two, back then, like, uh, if you, like, if you... If you got in a ring with somebody and you, you know, they weren't cooperative, you had one choice, and that was to shoot on them, and obviously this guy couldn't handle you. No, these were also young guys. They didn't know. (laughs) Right. You know, they were going by what they were taught. I wasn't taught anything. I didn't even know how to tie up. And I beat the guy. So I get my $200. And the guy hands me a card, and he goes, I want you to be here next week. You're in the third match. Pays $300. And I went, okay. And it's another southern Wisconsin town. 
you know, which is 45 minutes to an hour from my house. So I go up there, and I beat this guy. And I beat him in like four minutes. He didn't want to kick out. And we were supposed to go like 14. Right. But I beat him in like four minutes because he didn't kick out. And I get in the back. You're covering him, and he wasn't. He... Yeah, and I get in the back, and the fucking booker was like, he goes, what happened? He goes, what do you mean what happened? He goes, I wanted you to go 14 minutes. He goes, he didn't kick out. And the other guy goes, he didn't do what I told him to do. So didn't they, they, they start to smarten you up then? Well, I, I looked at him and I go, what do you mean I didn't do what you told me to do? He goes, don't you understand? I go, understand what? I go, it's my job to go out there and fucking beat you and pin you. And the, and the booker just looks at me and he smiles. <laughs> he looks at the other guy and he goes, get the fuck out of here. So he hands me a card. And he goes, I want you to be here next week. You're going to be in the main event with me, and it pays $500. Well, my wife, at the time, when I'm coming back from these things on Saturday morning, she's like, where'd you get all that money in your wallet? Well, uh, uh, uh. So this next one, where I'm in the main event, they're taping for TV. So we're so... So is this guy an experienced worker then? Yeah, his name was Tony. And he ran Chicago Pro, and they had these couple of guys, Zebra Kid, and then this other fucker that looked like a drunk Hulk Hogan. And uh, so he goes, you're going to be in the main event with me, because he liked the way I, sh- I shot. Right. And he knew I didn't know anything. I didn't even know how to tell. So here, here, here's, my, here's my theory of what, what's going on here, if I, you know, from the experience that I've got. It's... What I'm what I'm hearing is that he sees you out there shooting and beating these guys in such a short period of time, and he's thinking, "Hey, this is a real war- this is a real shooter. I can get in, and maybe if I can get over on him, it'll it'll boost me up, right?" Like he's thinking exactly. He, can- he was the champion, right? So it's just exactly the way Dusty Rhodes did. He would find these monsters and make them into something, and then beat them, and then he's the superstar, yeah. right? Yeah, so I get there on that Friday night, and I think this was in somewhere in northern Illinois, near Rockford or something. So he says, uh, he says, Kit, come on in here in the office. So I walk in the office, and he goes, you're wrestling me tonight. We're going to go 15 minutes. And I go, you think it'll be that long? And he goes, this is how you're like You're like, not if I can help it. And he goes, this is how it's going to go. I go, what do, you, what do you mean how it's going to go? He goes, just listen to me. He goes, I know you don't know anything. I go, well, I've won my last, what, four matches. He goes, I know you don't know anything. And he goes, but this is how we really do it. And he goes, me and you are going to wrestle. You do exactly what I tell you to do. So what year was you think this was? 80... 80... 88. 80, okay. Maybe, you know... Business it was, was 89 when I got here. Yeah, started. so the business was a lot different, man. The yeah, was a lot yeah different it was territory. Then. Right. So, so I'm in his office, and he goes. And you don't realize he's trying to smarten you up. He, yeah. Yeah. I, yeah, I ain't got a clue. So he goes, me and you are going to go 15 minutes. And he goes, 
I'm going to tell you what to do. And I go, well, why would I do that? And he goes, because I'm, I'm paying, paying you $500. <laughs> and I said, okay. I knew that was the answer. Yeah, so I'm like, okay, you got my attention. And he goes, we're going to go 15 minutes. He goes, I'm going to tell you everything I want you to do in the ring. And he goes, I know you can do it. And he goes, I know you're not that experienced. He goes, but if you just do what I tell you to do, everything would be okay. And I said, I'm not sure I'm liking this. And he goes, listen, kid, do you want to make $500? And I go, well, yeah, I do. And he goes, do what I tell you to do. Do exactly what I tell you to do, and you'll make the 500 bucks. And I'm like, I'm at odds with myself. Half of me wants to go, Okay. Fuck it, I could be the champion. And the other half is like, I could beat this motherfucker's ass on TV and fucking be a big star. And then uh, he says, I want you to sit down for a second. He goes, let me see if I can explain this to you. He goes, I know when the mother matches. He goes, I knew you were going to beat them guys. He goes, but that's not how pro wrestling really works. And he goes, let me tell you how it's going to work. I'm going to tell you what to do. You do what I tell you to do. And you're going to get your money, win, lose, or draw. And I go, okay, but I'm not so sure I'm happy with this. And he goes, listen, we're going to have fun. And we're going to have a good time doing this. And... You're going to make $500. And you're going to be on TV next Sunday. And I'm like, all right, I'm going to give it a shot. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> Koopa Chopper. <laughs> so I go out there and I do what he says. You know, he's like, I'm going to give you a hip toss. I didn't know what a fucking hip toss was. You didn't, know, you didn't even know how to bump. No, but... He, he was standing there like that and like, all right, I'm just going to give it to him. And, you know, he would hip toss me or body slam me. You know, you went with it. Yeah, I went with it. And, I, and he'd grab a hold on me, whatever it was, you know. And Probably the whole time if he, when he grab, he's grabbing holds on him, you're, you're resisting the urge to. Oh, I was stiff. Yeah, to try and shoot on him and get out of the hole. Yeah, hallway. yeah. And I'm like, if he covered me. I, I grabbed his head and I cranked him, you know, and he's like, easy, easy, lighten up, lighten up. I mean, I, I didn't quite understand the theory. And uh, I did really good. And Made your 500 bucks. Made my 500 bucks. Went home. Wife went in my wallet. Where in the fuck did you get $500 in cash? So they got a good tip yesterday. Bullshit. You know, and that was Sunday morning. And then, you know, I got TV on. I'm waiting for the Sunday morning TV show. And the TV show comes on, and there I am. And she's sitting right there, and she goes, What the fuck are you doing there? And I went, What? She goes, You're on fucking TV. And what do you think I've been doing every weekend? She goes, That's bullshit. Is that where you've been getting all the money? And I go, yeah, that's not bullshit. I said, $500 is $500. (laughs) 
So uh, after you left Chicago Pro, um, uh, we're, oh, uh, after you left uh, Chicago, was it Chicago Pro? Yeah. And uh, and came down here, and you hooked up with Killer Tim Brooks. Then Killer Tim Brooks actually smartened you up and taught you how the business really works, right? Not at first. <laughs> they just put you out there, and he found out I was a shooter. He was like, you're pretty small to be a shooter, because back then, you know, all the guys were big. Yeah, and you were, like, um, probably at the time, you were probably... I was 200 pounds. Yeah, 200 pounds, yeah. And I was pushing it with a gut. You know, but I was beating every guy he had that had been training for who knows how long. Ray Evans, Kenny the Stinger, all them guys. I was beating all them guys. And in a shoot, he'd be like, he, 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 he pulled me aside and he goes, Kit Carson, you need to learn about this shit. I'm like, well, what do you mean? You know, I said, I'm a legitimate wrestler. He goes, oh, there's no doubt about that. You're the best fucking wrestler I got. But I need you to adapt to the pro style. It's all right. You know, I get that. So then did he teach you how to bump? And And he taught me how to bump, and he taught me what spots were, you know, and and how to Psychology of the wrestling and the... Yeah. So I started watching tapes of Ric Flair and Nick Bockwinkle. And... Nobody else could catch it, but I could when they were calling spots. And I figured out Ric Flair's shit. So I was able to do that. Well, Flair and Bockwinkle, you're talking about two of the, the maybe the best guys that were ever in the business. I mean, Bockwinkle, I mean, when he was the AWA world champion, he was in his 50s. Yeah. And he could work. And he knew how to shoot. The same with Ric Flair. I didn't know Ric Flair was a four-time state fucking champion in high school, you know, and... And a power lifter. Whatever he was, he was the fucking shit. You know, but I studied him, and I figured it out. It only took me a couple of weeks, because I watched it all day long. All day. And... About two months after I'd been training with Killer... Got in a ring one night with one of his more experienced guys, and I fucking just, without fucking shooting on him, I fucking gave that guy the fucking run around and the fucking, he couldn't fucking believe what I did. You were blowing him up. Oh, I was blowing him up and fucking calling Which basically, spots. for the people who don't know, blowing, <laughs> blowing you up means you're losing your cardio. Yeah. You can't breathe in the ring. You and can't fuck, catch your breath. Yeah, and fucking killer goes... What the fuck have you been doing? So I've been watching Ric Flair tapes. And he goes, Oh, you think you're that good? I said, I do now. <laughs> and he goes, We'll see. And he put another guy in there with me. And I forget who it was. Because I blew up Ray Evans. I blew up Kenny the Stinger. I blew up his brother. And, and I'm in there. And these guys are all taking their shot at me. And I'm still in there. And I'm fucking just... And some of these guys got two, three, four years experience on you. Yeah, and I'm just fucking, I ain't getting no rest. They are. And he goes, he goes, goddamn, Kit Carson, I'm going to put you on TV next week. Okay. Well, then all of a sudden, I was just like, uh, you know, I'm freaked out. 
That's when uh, at that time in, in running the Longhorn. That time in in Dallas, the uh, Killer Tim Brooks was running out of the Longhorn Ballroom. Yeah, and and, uh, and uh, was uh, what was the place he was uh, working in Fort Worth? The uh, saloon, some saloon in Fort Worth. He was working out it's of. So for Carson Avenue, so stagecoach. Stagecoach Ballroom. That's yeah. right. Mondays so, in in Dallas, Tuesday in Fort Worth. Just like World Class was doing at the time. Yeah. And I'm doing okay, you know. I'm on TV. I'm making not much money. Yeah. Killer Killer was notorious of being a cheap payout guy. Help me out, brother. <laughs> yeah, can you help me out, brother? Yeah. Ten bucks. Yeah, you come bucks. in to get your pay, and he's like, hey, we're a little short at the gate tonight. Can you help me out, brother? Yeah. So... About a year of that shit, Bullman comes up to me in the dressing room in, in Dallas, and he goes, "Kit, you want to go to Korea?" Well, what do you mean? That's the Korean story that we told last time yeah, when you were shooting in like, Korea. I got these guys calling me from Korea. They're looking for a shooter. He goes, "And that would be you." I was like, "Oh, really?" And he goes, "Yeah, you want to go to Korea?" Okay. He was pays thousand dollars a week. How long am I gonna be there? It's a week. I'm like, I need a thousand dollars because I ain't got a fucking job. Yeah, yeah, that was the that's the that's the if you uh, if you go back to Kit Carson's first episode with us here on the podcast, you'll uh, hear the entire uh, uh, Korea story of Kit going over and having to wrestle the the Muay Thai. Shooters oh, in Korea and in and, North uh, Korea. Yeah, and uh, so bad. if you guys want to hear that uh, story, that's a great story. So go back and check out Kit Carson's first episode on the podcast. Um, and eventually, uh, Killer made you co-booker with uh, Bull Man Downs, right? Yeah, me and Bull were the main bookers, and Killer would sit in on the meeting. So me and Killer would book it because he was trying to teach us. You know? Teach us how to how teach you how to how to book matches and how, how to book matches, how to tell stories, to, yeah, and set up the angles and shit. You know, which was cool. You know, I hadn't been in the business a fucking year. You know, and then I went to Korea. You know, and I came back and and, and they're like, okay, well, you know, uh, you need to help Bull with this fucking booking. Here's a card from tonight. This is what. Put the guys together. Put the finishes yeah. together. Put the shit for tell next week. Tell a story. Well, he'd go put shit together for next week. So we already knew what was going to happen next week before we did that night. You were you were, you were booking a, 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 at least a week in advance. Yeah. So, and then, you know, Killer might come in and go, hey, John Tatum's coming in, or, or Manny Fernandez is coming in. Or... Rugged Rod Price is coming in, in California. Yeah, Stein. Rod didn't come till after I'd been there a while. Yeah. And uh, one of his first matches was with me. He had already wrestled in California a little bit. And and I'm not going to lie to you. He wasn't very good, but he picked it up quick. Yeah, real quick. Rod was a good guy. I know he clunked you on the head one time when he shouldn't More have. than one time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> more than one time. Yeah. I got stitches from Rod Price more than one time. Yeah, and I, I love Rod to death. Don't get me wrong. Yeah, we're hoping to have him on the podcast. Huh? But it took him a little while to pick it up, you know, like any of us. Right. I'm not going to say anything and bad nobody's about Nobody's a natural. Uh, probably nobody 
uh, uh, gets this business naturally other than probably Kurt Angle. Yeah, and, and you know, Rod Price had the biggest fucking shoulders in the business. Dude, uh, he had cannonballs on his shoulders. Yes, and I'm like, I'm like Rod, how do I get those? He goes, pump iron and do lots of steroids. <laughs> I'm like... Well, well, of course, you know, he, he played for the Oakland Raiders, too. Yeah, and I'm like, well, I'll pump the iron, but, you know. Yeah. And and eventually I got there. Yeah, you got I, to. I, I can't say I had fucking bowling balls for shoulders, but they were okay. But uh, Rob was good, and as soon as he smartened up, he was gone. Yeah, man, that's right. He was, uh, and they loved him because he had such a great body. You know, and I get it. I'm like. You know, here's Kid Carson. Uh, was uh, Stone Cold Steve Austin's tag team partner for a long time. Yeah, and uh, Steve Austin came down to us or one stunning night. Steve Austin at the Yeah, Steve came down to us one night. And I was sitting right there, me and Bull and Killer. And we're getting ready to book the next week's show. Steve came in and he goes, he goes hey, Killer, uh, you know, I'm Steve Austin or whatever, Steve Williams. He goes, I want to see if I can get on your show. Killer looked him straight in the eye, and he goes, you're, you're not, not good enough yet. Killer goes, loved to work his boys. Oh, I know. And he goes. It took me a while to get Steve in with Killer, goes, well, too. I've, I've been wrestling, you know, at the Sportatorium. And he goes, that don't mean shit to me. He goes, I wrestle there all the time. He goes, but this is my show. And he goes, you got to be a certain caliber, and you're not there yet. And I was like. Oh, Killer, are you sure you don't want to rethink this? Killer goes, I'll handle it. Steve had a great body, too, because Steve was... He, know, Steve, yeah, he wasn't that great then. This yeah, is when Steve, he first started. Yeah, Steve uh, Steve played... Uh, he played College uh, ball. defensive end at uh, North Texas. Yeah. And uh, I'm like, I go, Killer, you know, he's been on TV. He's getting over it. And he goes, he's not that good. And I said... I said that doesn't matter, Killer. I you go, couldn't change. Him, you couldn't change Killer's I go, mind, I go, man. Put him with fucking uh, Killer. Tim Brooks had a, had an idea when he got an idea yeah. in his head. You couldn't change his mind. I, I said, put him with uh, Johnny the Banana Head, and I go, I go. You know, Johnny can make anybody look good. And he goes, How long can that last? And I said, Three weeks. God. Uh, what was his name? Johnny Longhorn. Yeah, Johnny Longhorn. What a hell of a worker. Don't dress next to him. Because <laughs> when he stripped down, he had fucking... God damn, Chris. Holy shit. Sorry, kid. Uh, when when Johnny Longhorn took off his shit uh-huh. to fucking get his wrestling shit on, he had fucking, fucking skid marks in his underwear longer than a fucking... <laughs> Drag strip. <laughs> oh, at that point, we're going to take a pause. Yeah, that's a good idea. And so everything's good. Uh, kid has ordered Chinese food. We're going to have some Chinese food and uh, hang out and uh, finish up this podcast. Uh, we'll probably wrap it up when the Chinese food gets here, right? Yeah, uh, General's Chicken, Ragoons, and... Uh, what do they call them? Egg roll. Egg roll. <laughs> Egg roll. So I got a question for you. So uh, okay, the discussion came up uh, 
on a interview with Stephanie McMahon about uh, them actually owning the intellectual property of their um, wrestlers. Yeah, their wrestlers. So, I mean, like, obviously things weren't like that when we got in the business and prior to us getting in the business. And I know uh, WWF and WWE has been doing that for a long time. But, uh, you know, there's a few guys that, uh, you know, got in under the wire like Hogan and, and you know. I mean, but uh, what's your opinion on uh, a company that large? I mean, obviously, oh, they're one of the best paying co- companies, you know. And they've, yeah. they've, they've been the big dog in the yard for a long time. Yeah, they, they want to own everything. Yeah, and, and so. That's their deal. Yeah, what's your opinion? I mean, uh, and that's you know, it's a, it, obviously it's different. I mean, a lot of these guys that they're that are working now, they came up in the WWF or WWE's program. They actually created these guys, yeah. and so like obviously when we got in the business, like you came up with your own gimmick, or somebody suggested a gimmick for you, and you uh, honed it, and you it became your own personality. So. What's your opinion on what they're doing now? You know, they've uh, they've stopped these um, WWE um, uh, wrestlers. They stopped them from doing any third-party work like a podcast or like doing – there's this thing called Twitch. I don't know if you're familiar yeah, with it. Yeah, unless it was through them. Yeah, and so, and so they've completely stopped these guys from doing anything outside of – the WWE universe and they own every single thing that these guys do. And I think that's what's sending a lot of people to uh, AEW. Now they also control them, but uh, not they're, a, they're, they're a not, little more lenient. Yeah. They're a little bit more lenient and they're, they're allowing these guys to create their own personalities and create their own, uh, you know, a little bit more of the modern day product, creating their own personalities and their own, products now so what's your opinion can you imagine if we work if we went to every single place that we worked and they wanted to own our our likeness and our uh, person our, our our the character that we created i mean we worked really hard to come up with the character that we create well, actually it was kind of natural you know gary hart gave us the team extreme gimmick but and we've never changed it and, uh, you know, what do you think, what do you, how do you think these guys are dealing with this now? Well, I'm thinking when they get there, they're only, you know, that's a complicated deal. Um, they are only thinking about themselves and what they want to portray. And they're, then they're only thinking about getting a job with the big dog yeah and then creative comes along and go um you're no longer hulk hogan you're um well i think the last guy to really kind of have a real foot in to creating that type of a persona would probably be steve austin wouldn't you think pretty much but steve made a fortune with Steve Austin, you know, 316. You know, and, and Jake the Snake gave him 316. Well, actually, it was Michael. Michael Michael Hayes gave him the heads up on what was going on. and I, I did not know yeah, that. Yeah, so Michael Hayes at the time gave him, you know, the heads up on what was going on. And he's the, you know, he 
Steve came up with the Austin 316 in an interview and in the you know the last interview that he did before he won the what was it the Royal Rumble yeah well and you know his wife gave him the stone cold gimmick so he was stone cold Steve Austin they liked it they went with it he was he was the ringmaster for a long time and yeah, he was trying to, which, he didn't like he wasn't happy with it no he was supposed to tag with Rod Price and Rod beat the shit out of Jerry Lawler yeah, see, I, and what I'm, I'm hoping to get Rod on the uh, podcast and uh, that have would be him cool. and have him tell that story if he'll I'm sure he will at this point in his, you know, in his life. Yeah. I'm, I'm sure he, he's probably looking for some place to tell that he story. He should have never walked, man. That would have been he, that has set him up for life. But it was great for for Steve. Steve. <laughs> yeah. Right? Yeah, it was great for Steve. You know, and him and Steve were good friends. And the original deal was they were supposed to tag team. Steve was the ringmaster and Rod was Whatever it was, they were giving them. They were gonna. They were gonna put them in a tag team, and yeah, because they were both bald, muscled up. You know, Steve knew how to wrestle. Rod's wrestling ability was fair. Um, and I'm not taking anything away from Rod. I love that guy. No, he was, he was a great worker, and yeah. and, and 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 did some great things in this business. Yeah, yeah, and. Uh, I don't think he should have walked at that time. I think he should have beat the shit out of Jerry Lawler and stayed I think that's, with I the think that's what the, Yeah, I think that's what got him booted from the company. Well, I'm not sure he was so much booted. I think it was a kind of either a mutual agreement or well, that's, that's definitely, he could have stayed or he could have gone. Yeah, that's definitely Rod Price's story to tell. But, yeah. um, uh, you know, it, it worked out for Steve incredibly because, uh, you know, he was uh, – Top drawer ever. Well, and yeah, he became the biggest thing in the wrestling business. Yeah, and and you know now he probably still is actually. Well, probably that's. I mean, it's argue. It's you know. I mean, uh, Ric Flair's the one that says Steve Austin is the goat. You know, I kind of got to agree with that. There was Steve Austin, Ric Flair. For the Ric Flair was the old territory guy. It opened the door for guys like Steve That's Austin. That's exactly right. And Ric Flair was a fucking hell of a shooter. Ric Flair could hold his own. It didn't matter if, if you put... <laughs> if you put Ric Flair with Luthez, Ric Flair could hang with Luthez. Right. If you put Ric Flair with Hulk Hogan, you'd probably spank that bitch. Well, and and Hogan Hogan was a more of a personality and, uh, and a, a gimmick, an event to go. Hogan yeah. was the first big gimmick. Yeah. Other than and uh, that's why they went, gorgeous and that, George, and that's why they went that direction in the '80s, and everybody ended up having a gimmick. They were trying to find the next. Yeah, Hulk, you know, Hogan. Hulk Hogan. And it sold tickets, and that's the whole idea is to sell tickets now. The guys they got are they pushing them enough to sell tickets? Here's the here, here's, a few. Here's, not not like Austin Hogan. Well, I think technically right now, Gorgeous George. I think technically right now that these guys there's there's no breakthrough stars. No, there's not. And uh, and they and they sorry. And they definitely uh, they definitely need to find those breakthrough stars to keep that company going 
and they're having a difficult time with it. And I think maybe one of the reasons is that they own everything that these guys do. And they're not, they're not giving them enough time. The business happens so fast on their, in their company. I mean, if, they, they if won't you stick. don't watch their show for six weeks, you're lost. Well, and but or you can turn it on and it's the same fucking shit every fucking week. You know, it's like I think it was Chris Adams said once. He goes, "They put me in a feud with Kevin Von Erich." He goes, "I got a job for at least a year." That's exactly right. Chris they used don't, to tell me. Yeah, they don't do that anymore. Like when Gino and him did the turn. When he turned... And they shaved their heads and, they and shit. And they did all that, that whole yeah. gimmick. He knew... He had a job okay. for at we're least up, a year. We're on the, on top for at least a year. Yeah. We don't have to worry about it for at least a year. Because that angle... I mean, in in Dallas at the time, in the mid to late 80s, you did you really weren't on top unless you were wrestling the Von Erics. Do you remember when we did the angle with uh, Drunk Adam and Phoenix? Right. So. So that was an XCW run by Knight Davis and Pops and, Davis. Yeah, and Scotty Scotty Kong was the booker. And he goes. One of the awesome Kongs. Yeah, he goes, you guys got a job for at least a year. You, you're booked here until they tell you you're not. Right. So we ran that angle for a year. Yeah, you're exactly right. Yeah, we, we stayed in business and we didn't have to worry about if we were going to get booked. Yeah, and we did some things that frankly shouldn't have been done. You know, we did some new things. Right. Like, remember when I torched Adam? Right. Whoever did that? You know, other than the, I let a fireball in your face. I lit that whole motherfucker on fire. And he went to the hospital Legitimately, no bullshit. And it drew. Yes. That took us from that building to a bigger building. And then the next week, that place was sold out. And they're like, oh, these motherfuckers are for real. They lit a guy on fire. He went to the hospital. You know, all the guys in the back were fucking pissed at me. And I'm like, hey, I'm sorry. You know, I... I... But when the building was sold out the, the following month... The following week, yeah. they were like... Wow. I go, you know, that's because I lit that motherfucker on fire. I go, I know it wasn't planned, but actually that was his plan. Well, he, that's he's the, the one that wouldn't fucking move. That's, it was exactly the same thing that we were just discussing, discussing about the whole Austin 316 thing. Yeah. And it's like sometimes shit happens. And you gotta roll with it. And it's and sometimes it's a mistake, and sometimes it's a mistake that'll take you to the top. That was a mistake that took us to the top. We ended up in a bigger building. We had pay-per-view. We had television. We had all this shit. You remember the night you had gone to Florida, so I had been there for about a year by myself. Well, then they wanted us to wrestle the Texas Treats. I said, Chris is coming in from Florida. And then your plane was late. Mm, I remember. remember, and I was picking you up, and they're, like, calling me, and we're driving from DFW to Denton. And I'm like, we're going to be there soon. And we got there, and we we walk in the door, and they're playing our music for the match, and we're like, oh, we got to get dressed. So, Dude, this is a lot of fucking laces in my boots. So that draw, <laughs> that draw, when they didn't expect me to be there, because I hadn't been there for over a year. And they played our music like you, five times. And you walked out 
with the torch. And no, we, you came out with me. No, I didn't no, but go you out. no, you walked out first and stood there, and then I walked out behind you, and it got a huge pop. Remember? Because they didn't yeah. expect that I was coming out. Honestly, I don't remember, but that does sound right. Yeah. And and everybody thought the Texas Treats were the new tag team shit. So you came into town. And then we taught them a lesson. And everybody was like, there was silence for like two, three weeks. Nobody said a fucking word. And after that, it was like, they were just the Texas Treats. They weren't nothing special. Good workers. Guys were good workers. Oh, they were. They were great and uh, the one guy was great. I, I loved that guy. Lamada? Is that his name? No, no. That You're thinking of the other guy. Uh, one guy was kind of a... And the other guy was very easy to work with. Yeah. But, uh, I mean, we didn't even get time to stretch out or warm up. I mean, we literally got dressed and walked out to the ring. And... They played our music like five times before I even came out. And then when you showed up, the place went crazy. And we gave them their money's worth. That was a great show. It was a great fucking match. Um, Halloween show, I believe. I believe it was. Yep, your birthday. We we dominated the match. I mean, I hate to no, say we, it that no, way. Yeah, but we gave them. We, we gave them spots. We didn't yeah, eat them. We, we, didn't eat we them made up. it a match. We made it a match. And there was no doubt who the better team was. You know, we didn't overdo it. Well, I think the I think the uh, the crowd for the XCW crowd uh, there in Denton, I think they were just fucking glad to see you and I back together. I think there were, too. And against the... Chinese food's here. All right, hang on a second. Go ahead. And then they were never heard from again. No, just kidding. They uh, just decided to stop recording right there. Big thanks to Kit Carson for taking my place in this episode of uh, Counting Lights Podcast. Hey, follow us on Twitter at Counting underscore Lights. Email us at countinglightspodcast at gmail.com. He's Chris Germany, I'm Dan Danzing, and this is Counting Lights Podcast, where comedy and wrestling lock up.